They're as fresh as the breeze. Eggs come to you fresh every day. Serve them any way you please. Eggs are natural and economical, so keep enough on hand. Nature made them nice and neat. High in protein and only 80 calories each. Eggs are a natural wonder for meals, snacks, appetizers, whatever. All you do is heat and eat. Eggs don't run out. The incredible edible egg. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, Din and Grogu must ferry a passenger with precious cargo on a risky journey. There will be a lot of talk about Frog Lady. Let's do this. We're talking about The Mandalorian episode, The Passenger, this week. How you doing, Chris? Good, how are you doing? I'm a little tired. Um, I went to the mountains this weekend with my friends, and it was a lot of fun. There's also a two-year-old, and who is who I, I I I'm making this sound much more negative. She's lovely. She's my honorary niece. I finally got to meet my honorary niece, but it's been a long time since I've been around a toddler that much, so it's a little tiring. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> but we we had a really really good time. I did finally get to. I w- hope watched a movie, Chris. What movie? Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending. It's is a, that what by the um, Wachowskis? Yes. Okay, that's on my list of. I heard that was a really intro. I heard it was super cheesy, but really good and fun. So the thing about Jupiter Ascending is it was supposed to be three movies, and you can tell. And there was like like a sing- I was joking with my friends that a single line of dialogue is like five scenes shoved into a single line of dialogue. And it, it's it's interesting, and it's a very beautiful lore. It's a very beautiful world building. The characters are kind of flat, and I and they really needed three movies to really get into everything. Sounds like the first Matrix movie to me. <laughs> that's but, how that's how, how I felt about the first Matrix movie. But I really liked it. I mean, compare it to, like uh, I I was reading a review, and someone was like, "Jupiter Ascending is better." I or no no they said I. Uh, I can't believe we live in a world where Marvel movies and their formula are celebrated and this is apparently bad. And yeah, it's not. It, it's really well, good. <laughs> the thing about them is they are like... I I don't think they've consistently made great... Like the, like the Matrix movie. I, I lo- the first movie I was like, okay, this is the first time somebody really started like communicating the real like stuff that Philip K. Dick would, would, you know, that people were basing books off Philip K. Dick, but they would take them and really like pasteurize them into for a mainstream audience. And this one was getting really into his like, what is my identity? You know, what, you know, what is reality and, and really playing with it. And it was like very much just like, just st- when 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 the movie ended, I was like, okay, this was just start getting to the really interesting point, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just it laid down its pre- premise, but and it, it's, 
But then I remembered, like, to the average moviegoer that doesn't read Philip K. Dick, all this was really new stuff. And then the second movie was just bug shit crazy, and I loved it. And then the third movie I almost walked out of. It was so, I just thought it was so bad. But for the most part, like, even, like, Speed Racer and stuff like that, they really are put a lot of thought into it, and a lot of their stuff is kind of goofy and over overproduced almost like like almost like the prequel trilogy and stuff but it's sort of they're always a little ahead of everybody else you know so like when this movie came out i remember people were like well it doesn't really do plot this you know it doesn't really have the same pacing as a normal movie and it seems like this and this and this and you know they didn't know what to do with it and i think that what the wakowski should never do is plan on three movies because they should plan for one movie, and then if it's a hit, be ready for three movies. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. Because they never they, get like they yeah. planned for three movies, didn't get it, so they shoved three movies worth of stuff into one movie. And and by the time like people start revisiting this movie, and I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know what I'll think of it. But you know, people start revisiting it or seeing it and going like, "Hey, this was like a neglected classic or whatever." By the time that interest gets developed and someone goes, maybe we should do movie two, all the actors will be like 15 years older, you know? Yeah. Or something like that. It's just, it's, it's, it's sad. Eddie but Redmayne. That's what, that's what happens when you're, when you're kind of a little ahead of the curve, you know, you're, you're just always going to be like misunderstood when you put the stuff out fresh. Eddie Redmayne is an absolute hoot in this movie. He is <laughs> so great. <laughs> His his between of like whisper yelling to actual yelling is amazing, um, but yeah, like it's it's a I I was joking with them that I was forty five minutes in and I already felt like I had watched two movies, mm-hmm. like it's just so stuffed full. <laughs> but I enjoyed Jupiter Ascending. I would recommend it. It's it's a, it's a riot to watch. One of those movies like you're laughing because it's bonkers crazy, but then when you like you like it has really good lore deep down but on the surface it's like bonkers <laughs> yeah all the scenes of it reminded me a lot of like episode two you know oh Santi uh, stuff you know it came out after i think episode one and a lot of um you can definitely tell they pulled a lot of inspiration from the prequels yeah 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 you can absolutely Say, same with the prequels like the prequels people are like these movies are paced weird and they look weird and they feel weird and stuff and now they don't because they've they established a new visual you know not even visual visual yeah a, a new like cinematic you know language or you know accent yeah how was your week Pretty non-eventful so far. My 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 bosses are on vacation, so the the inmates are running the asylum, which is which is I mean we we run the asylum most of you know my 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 bosses are married and uh, uh, the wife is usually down the street doing catering and the, and the husband is usually working in our place at the bar and you know just sort of doing the business end of things and. Uh, but like um yeah the people she works with on the you know we're, we're we'll all be able to make up for like 
So basically, there it's also like having two, you know, employees out, you know, mm-hmm. because they're, they're actually they 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 work they're they work like employees, you know. They basically, have, you know, they're there in the day to day. Yeah, they come in and do the day to day with everybody else, and uh, so it's but it's also like spreadsheet wise we're in we're in one of the slower parts of summer we're in between the the busier parts of summer so it's like it's been going real smooth i like i didn't i usually get picked up for work and taken home on on tuesdays and so we were trying to figure out between all the employees you know who could pick you know pick me up and like the only way it could have been done is for this one guy to like who didn't work that day to come get me and take me to work and take me home and then go home and i'm like no spend time with your kids i'll just get ahead today yesterday and then i'll uh i'll just i just won't i'll just won't work and they're like but don't you want to get paid and i'm like i'd almost rather have the day off yeah (laughs) so there we go (laughs) having have i you know i haven't really taken days off since before covid started so yeah, I've I've been adding days and stuff, so yeah, it's 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 not gonna put a big uh, pinch on me. And it was nice. I had a nice relaxing day. The weather was beautiful. Did a little yard work. Hung out with my cat. Did a little audio drama work. Yay! Yeah. I'm glad you had a good day. Yeah, it was a good day. It was a good day. Well. Are you ate a few eggs, soft boiled eggs? Oh, we'll talk about eggs. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to segue. (laughs) Well, you ready to get into this episode? Yes, I am. What'd you think about it? I love this episode. I liked it a lot when I first saw it. I don't know. I felt almost like I was seeing a different, different episode this time. And it all really came together for me. I love this episode. I love this episode, too. I remember liking it the first time I saw it, and I I, I still love it. I, I love the frog lady. She's my favorite. She's so precious. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have a lot of fond memories of this episode, and, and I think it just got better with time, too. So, well, you ready? <clears throat> I'm ready. Chapter 10, The Passenger, is the 10th episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on November 6, 2020. It was written by John Favreau and directed by Peyton Reed. Some extra information for you. Misty Rojas returns to The Mandalorian. No, no, no. Misty Rojas returns to The Mandalorian portraying the frog lady. She was the body actor for Kuil in season one of Mando. And Dee Bradley Baker is the voice of the frog lady. Dave Filoni is back in his role as Trapper Wolf. Carson Teva is played by Paul Sung Hung Lee, a lifelong Star Wars fan, even making his own X-Wing cosplay and helmets. Paul's other works include Kim's Convenience and will be Uncle Iroh in the upcoming live-action Avatar The Last Airbender series. The spiders in this episode are based on a drawing from Ralph McQuarrie, while the Kirk Kirkna from Star Wars Rebels was also based on the same drawing. They are not the same species as the spiders in this episode. All right, guys, strap in. We're talking about Frog Lady. The passenger was not without some controversy. Fans were split about the handling of Grogu eating the Frog Lady's unfertilized eggs. Many of the fans who had issues actually liked the episode. 
but they wish the joke was handled better. Some fans shared their own struggles with infertility. I pulled from both Vanity Fair and Entertainment Weekly some quotes of the varying opinions, and they are as followed. One fan said, I just want to know who thought this was a good idea. Like, we have this woman whose species is facing extinction, and she's very protective of her eggs. We should have Baby Yoda eat them. Hey, yeah, dude. Bro, high five. Like, what? Another fan said, as a Star Wars fan with a history of multiple miscarriages who is saving up for IVF, um, them playing this feels a bit extremely gross and mean-spirited. Another fan wrote, So, as a person who went through fertility treatments and a mother of a baby who tries to eat everything, I do get the intended gag of Baby Yoda eating the eggs. My first reaction was, oh my god, it's my child. But then, stop it? The story makes it clear that those eggs are important to the character. Another fan said, I'm a mom. It's not funny at all to hear a mama frog lady go into great detail about how important and beloved her eggs are to her and have to watch them get eaten on three separate occasions for shits and giggles. Can't just one mom get to survive and keep her kid. And another fan wrote, for the record, the frog lady was very adamant that the fact that her eggs were important to her and that it was her last and only chance to have kids. So it's it's actually closer to fucking up someone's in vitro fertilization, which would be incredibly upsetting for a wannabe mom. It's not funny. But some fans defended the choice. Vanity Fair shared a few of these. One fan wrote, some, uh, and this is from the article, some of the counter complaints uh, were... It's fucking funny because they are fictional characters besides non uh, they are fictional characters beside non-existent species. So stop the drama for a fucking TV show. One user posted, "There are really important issues. There are really important things in the real world." And this was the one I, I, I found interesting, which I wanted to add. Yet another woman who led lived this experience urged people to not take the incident so seriously. She wrote. The amount of people offended by this episode is ridiculous. I had fertility issues, and I thought the part about Baby Yoda eating the eggs as dark humor. Show the hell out. It's a sci-fi film. No eggs were truly harmed. And finally, to weigh in, Lucasfilm creative art manager Phil Suztake, uh, uh, sorry if I mispronounced that, stated on Twitter, For the record, Chapter 10 of The Mandalorian makes it clear that the frog lady egg scenes are unfertilized, like the chicken eggs many of us enjoy. But obviously, chicken eggs aren't sentient beings, and the child eating the eggs is intentionally disturbing, is is intentionally disturbing for comedic effect. So let's talk about Frog Lady. <laughs> I kind of like. I just want to just comment on what everybody just said here. I kind of don't like what anybody said it, uh, it with, especially the guy from Lucasfilm, because it's kind of tone deaf. You know, nobody was going like, oh, I don't like Baby Yoda's been eating sentient things since all, you know, since all through the first season. He's eaten things that like make noises and hop and are cute and stuff. So that's not the issue. He sort of skirts the issue. And, you know, they're unfertilized like eggs. I mean, the other people articulated the, 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 the issue pretty clearly. It's like you know, th- th- this is her last chance to make babies. And these are the last eggs she has because she's not going to make any more eggs after this. And, you know, and her husband uh, and they, they have the, you know, they have the, 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 they've t- like barely found a place where they can have the baby. So it's, it is like a, it totally the in vitro fertilization, but the way um, I, like, I do, I do want to add one thing. Um, I'm not going to name them. 
But um, and I didn't and I want to clarify, it's none of these quotes because I know this person. I I don't want to out them and stuff like that. Right, right. I did have one friend who was also very vocal about this for the exact same reasons for the fertility thing. But she was very clear. I really loved this episode. She's like, this was a great episode. It was chilling. The frog lady is great. I love this. I love the plot, the pacing. All she said, and I agree with this, is it could have been handed more tactfully. That was her only criticism. Mm. She was like, I get what they were going for. It could have been handled tactfully, which is how I feel. And I'll talk about it in a second. But I just Um, wanted to throw that one out there because it's actually from someone I do know. And I really trust her opinion because she writes professionally. Well, the the one person was saying, you know, hey, well, several people actually use the phrase, don't take it. So, you know, this is it's a comedy Star Wars show. Don't take it. Well, no, I think it's okay to take it seriously. I think it's actually if you take it seriously, it's far what in a writing sense, it's far more interesting what's going on to take it seriously. And if you do take it seriously, which I did that, like I was thinking it was when it was this whole conversation happened the first time, you know, the, it came out. And so now that was on my mind while watching it and it completely changed the way I looked at the show. And I, 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 I think it's, it's presented in a comedic, fashion i don't think it's it's funny and i don't it's meant that there's a friction there and you know and i think handling it more i i I think there was that 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 friction of like and it's also something very not star wars as much because star wars is supposed to be sort of like escapism in a way and this was the friction of like you know something you know like you know if you have you were just hanging around with a two-year-old if like you know the wrong conditions happen the wrong parents and stuff that two-year-old could burn down a house you know and kill everybody in the house you know because they don't know what they're you know they're just sort of doing their thing and they don't know about about you know the larger context of it but um i don't know i don't want to go too deep into what i think about it without you know let this is let this you, is the chance talk first too. Okay, this, I I this is our chance. I I wanted to go ahead and get the discuss the frog lady controversy. I just wanted right. to get it out of the way. Um, that way we can focus the rest of the time on the episode. Um, I have two thoughts. One is about the actual writing. One is about the fandom response. Um, the actual writing to me, and I remember this when I was watching it the first time, and I still feel this way. I just think it's a poorly written joke. And I just think it's a little bit too heavy handed. It feels like they're shaking us going, get it? Do you get it? It's funny. (laughs) Like, I feel like it's really heavy handed. And things are funny in threes. And to me, this one has a four. And that's where it's aligned. Because like the first time it happens, it's it's like shocking and it's like oh no the baby's doing a thing like it that's that's one thing and then Den stops him and then the second time Den chides him and he's just like do not do that again and then to me the three is the third attempt where the the frog lady is in the the hot springs and baby Yoda's reaching for one and Den's just like no no <laughs> that's funny. Where it goes the line is the last one at the end and it's the last shot of the episode. And I'm like, why are we still doing this joke? 
And so writing wise, I just think it's a heavy headed joke that's not landing well. And I do think I do think there's other things they could have done. But if they would have just cut it with the last one where Dan is like, no, don't eat the eggs out of the hot springs. Don't you dare. I think that would have been fine. But it just, it's just a joke that lingers too long. My I, other. Th- oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I I think I think it purposely lingers too. I think it lingers beyond the point of a joke and starts getting into the relationship between Grogu and and Dinjarin, basically. Yeah. And he's been there's there's a scene earlier in this movie where he kills a Jawa <laughs> hilariously in a comedy <laughs> in a comedy scene, but he kill, kills the guy. And, and you know, the Jawa just had a knife to Grogu's throat and all that. So, you know, whatever. We wanted to, we, 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 he had it coming. But, like, he kills him and Grogu gives him a look like, Jesus. And he, and Jin just, like, shrug, shrugs his shoulders, like, huh? Well, <laughs> so me, it goes in the, yeah, in the desert. Yeah. But the difference you know, me... and that's and Grogu is picking up at that. So, when, like, the first time it was just like, well, I ate an egg because, He's pure id, and he's like, and then he's obsessed with it. It must have been delicious, you know. And so now he's obsessed. He's gonna have the egg, and Din's telling him no, and he's going, <laughs> "Why do I have to listen?" You know, you know, this yeah. way, way of the ju- shrug, shrug your shoulder, and it's and it's also a comedic thing with something you know really dark uh, uh, uh you know d- you, whenever somebody's killed for comedy effect it's pretty dark if you if you really start analyzing it and the thing is is like uh, two two things on that point the first one is one thing you said the jawa had it coming but in the context of the show the frog lady doesn't so it does recontextualize that scene and then the other thing i was thinking of while you were talking was what if the frog lady was human it completely and I and I think they they felt like they could get away with this because she's an alien, but if she was human and for some reason in this context human could have their unfertilized eggs in a jar, that would be horrifying, and it is horrifying. But yeah, well, having, I mean that having a it, frog lady gives it the like barrier of well, this also, is like a monster that also like draws lines in empathy of, of the viewer, you know. Because there's some viewers who are going to totally not empathize with her because she's a frog lady. And then there's going to be other people who can, you know, who can jump that barrier, you know, because really it's not that like when you're watching a TV show, it's not that doesn't seem to me that adventuresome a barrier to jump to go like, oh, this is a woman, you know, a woman, you know, a mother and her children. You know, everybody understands that little kids are going to understand that watching this. So watching this as a little like, well, watching this as a little kid, it might be actually more comedic because they don't really have that, that, you know. Yeah. uh, Connection with their with their eggs at all. (laughs) This is nothing against my nephews because they're little. I, I can totally imagine my nephews laughing through that scene. But no, I, this kids. is this is this is about like I mean I think it's a big dark comment on the moral amb. It, it's one thing when you have it's really it's really kind of tasty and spicy when you have an evil character that has some ambiguity in there, and it's also tasty and spicy when you have a protagonist that's got some moral ambiguity in there. But it's not very tasty or spicy when when Grogu has some moral ambiguity in there. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that's and 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 that's a that's actually a good you know that's actually like you know uh, but he's totally you know um, picking up on his morally am- ambiguous surroundings. So you know, and it's and it's almost and it's also sort of happening without Din noticing it. He is noticing it, but he's just he doesn't care. He doesn't want. He he, you know, he doesn't want to screw up this lady's eggs, but it's not that big a deal for him, you know. My my, thing or he would have said he would have said, "Watch this guy. He wants to get to your eggs." And be actually, like, yeah, screw you, that, baby Yoda. On that point, I think then the season, and it's a big point of this season. Den is trying not to become attached to Grogu because his whole mission this season is to find his people and to give them away. So I do think Din is purposely trying not like he loves this kid. He wants this kid. But he's also I think some of that is also he's trying to keep some distance because he knows he has to give Grogu away, which is why they have that really emotional scene in Book of Boba Fett when they're reunited. And he's like, I miss my baby. And like he goes to find Luke because he wants to check on Grogu. And but I do think that is a big part of the season is Din is trying his damnedest. His actions are trying to keep him away, not attached to the baby, but he's already attached to the baby. So and then that's the drama of the struggle, the struggle of the drama, I should say. Yeah. Um, but like I, I, I like the whole. I, I, I like it because I think it really it, it I it. I like that it's disturbing. I like that it's disturbing in a really like fundamental you know pr- sort of profound way that makes it it, it, it evokes that reaction you said you don't want to feel that from because because the first the first couple times okay it could be a running gag but then after that it it becomes genuine suspense and mm-hmm. so grogu is the bad guy you don't want grogu you know and grogu is now obsessed with getting those eggs no matter what you know people could go like oh don't take the eggs grogu or whatever he's gonna get those eggs he wants those eggs and, and he's the one that triggers the spiders hell. and he huh? triggers the spiders yeah yeah by by eating them because he's also he's probably like going through a growth spurt and just like hungry all the time and uh but yeah, yeah, and he's just he's he's just a chaos machine, you know, running, ru- screws up, screws up her eggs and screws up his ship, and just just because he's, you know, sort of. I mean, it's not his fault that they're there. It's sort of just sort of bad luck that they're there in the first place. But yeah, he just is he's just bound and determined and it also plays upon a real feeling that i'm sure parents have with their kids that's also an ambiguous feeling of just like jesus christ this guy's a little terrorist you know he's trying to just he's trying to kill us (laughs) i um i've had that with pets before (laughs) i i was actually talking with my friend because we were up in the mountains and her toddler with with us and she was like Having a baby is almost like being in an abusive relationship. Like everything, every time you think like you think they're getting better or they're getting over a bad habit or they're getting through something, it happens again. And like there's a tantrum and they go back on that habit. And, and, and it's, it's like you think you're getting out of it and then it and happens again. And and, and, and it's like them. they're trying to purposely find the worst route. Like when when uh, the first time 
my my sister came here with both of my kids. One was a toddler and the one was a little older. It was like a year older and, you know, better behaved. But the uh, like put the toddler down and my roommate said, be careful. There's stuff, sharp stuff all over the place. And my sister's like, oh, he'll be OK. And the first thing he did is run over and just overturn towards him a whole table full of pins <laughs> oh. pins and jars and pins and pin cushions and just was like he okay oh he was fine but it, like instantly as soon as she put him down like a magnet just went you know and it's like just narrowly missed the you know the bucket full of razor blades and which it's possible that there there wasn't a bucket full of razor blades, but it's possible in this house that there could be some project that you need a bucket full of razor blades for. Yeah, like an exacto knife blade or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, like, yeah, and 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 that this is pull uh, that 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 like you know like I, you always hear people go like I don't know if I have a child or if it's like a little demon, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other point I wanted to make. And that um, was all of us when. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <me> too. <laughs> I I know. Um, I know. I I know. I told the story before, but I was following my mom's directions, and I almost got hit by a dump truck. Not yes. because my mom told me to jump in front of the dump truck, but she was just like, "Jump over the puddle at the end of the driveway." And I went, "Okay." And a dump bu- bu- truck blew through the stop, the stop, bu- the school bus stop sign, and almost hit me. And I was just like, "Oh, <laughs> like things happen with kids." Like, yeah. Um, the other point I wanted to make was more of a fandom note. Like, I totally get the both sides of this argument. Like, some people didn't have problems with it. Some people did. What's not okay, and me and Chris were talking about this, and it's it's going to be inevitable, but I feel like I have to say, it's not okay that a lot of the women who share these very personal stories about infertility and stuff like that were harassed by fandominous assholes. And to the point to where the the Vanity Fair article I pulled these quotes from actually wrote out the words, we are not sharing their Twitter handles for so these women do not get harassed. In an official publication, they had to say that because it was so rampant when this came out. And like the reason I know this is my friend that I had mentioned, she was one of those people. People were telling her to die and to kill herself and her opinions were stupid and she was stupid and stuff like that. And it's just like, yes, it's going to happen. But I I hope we can doesn't get to a make point. it fun, or and it doesn't good make or, it right. Yeah, you know. But I mean, it's 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 just this unfortunate factor. Uh, like I think at the base of all of this is nobody there. Nobody knows how to talk about their the media and stories and fiction and writing and and all that and try to put this instead of being like this is attack on my you know struggles with fertility and oh you're just being a sensitive blah 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 it's just like let's let's talk about why why would the writers do this and what how did this make me feel and why did i feel this way you know instead of like why would you make me feel this way you know or and, and and you know and then you can get into then when you get into that you can get into like was this bad writing where they were trying to just be funny and then they hit this dark spot and they just were tone deaf about it? Or were they, you know, trying to communicate this or were they being 
consciously edgy and kind of mean about it you know were they trying to be mean about it you know you can sort of start but you have to sort of know how it was put together and and you know the more you know about it to talk uh, about all the aspects of it whether it's you know from the creative aspect of it to the to the you know societal psychological and you know um the the aspects about it and the and people's personal you know things on it and how they all how they all interact if people don't like can't have a good framework for that you can't discuss it it just becomes an argument over is this good or is this bad you know and it's that's often not what's going on you know and often like the discussion will change you know five years from now the discussion on the on on the frog lady could be completely different you know mm-hmm. and yeah it's it, it it's very frust it's very frustrating to me and it and it ends up it always ends up you know with the most sort of shallow aspects of it you know coming to the you know whatever you know the most attention garnering way of of addressing it goes to the top of what gets the attention in it rather than you know somebody actually so it's good that we spend some time on it you know yeah so when this episode came out um this was before um lucasfilm started being a lot more progressive about handling the trolls um the most recent for the most recent example is uh what happened with moses ingram with kenobi where they warned her ahead of time, hey, you're going to get racist trolls. And then they released a statement and you and McGregor released a statement. Um, something I would like to see is official Lucasfilm people, when this harassment is happening to fans, like th- this level, then release a statement too. Just to be like, hey, we see this happening. Do not attack it. And it's not going to do much, but it will at least make the fans who are being attacked feel like they right. at least have some por- support from official sources. Right. So that that is something I would like to see going forward is when there is a big controversy like this, them at it, least saying, well, like, a, we hear you. It's a no-win situation, so you might as well do the thing that just seems the most ethical, because either way you're going to get lambasted. So if you come out ahead of time and go like, hey, look, we know people are, we've got a black actress in this, and we know people are going to, like, start attacking her. And then they go, oh, look, they're getting ahead of it. They're getting ahead of it because she's a bad actress. And they think, you know, they're trying to blame people, blah, blah, you know, the worst aspect, you know, this is usually the worst aspects, you know. So either way, that you, you're always going to be giving them some sort of ammunition that they can use. So you might as well just plug ahead and, you know, it. it it seems to me that it's like a war of attrition you know it's just like eventually eventually all these people are going to like a lot of them are like 12 years old a lot of them are going to hit puberty and stuff no a lot of them are adults in their 30s with youtube channels yes but they're they're that they are also going to like people like all of a sudden they could be into wrestling and they're just bothering people on the wrestling for you know so it's like it's it's because you're never however you address them it's not never going to be the quote unquote right way that just stops it from happening you know yeah so so you just have to not worry about that you know you have but, to not worry about that aspect and just do what practically is going to like 
make it make it good for the people who might be getting attacked you know exactly because like um i i do remember my friend saying because again this was before the social medias of the youtube of of the youtubes the social media of the star wars became like more proactive about this thing i do remember my friend saying it would have been nice if like someone from lucasfilm stood up for us you know because this is very clearly happening it was trending on twitter for days like it was very clear that it was a thing happening so and, hard to get anybody to react in those situations, in those corporate situations, because that's what's kind of nice. So about, many people sitting around arguing about it, trying to figure out what to do, and second guessing and stuff. And it's so much nice easier. The current, um, the current Star Wars Twitter is whoever's running it does not put up with trolls. They do not. They will call out trolls. They're like, you can leave this conversation. I am talking with this lovely fan here. You can go. I'm not going to put up with you. And it's such a breath of fresh air. And it works. It works better than any uh, other thing. And that's that's another thing. There's there's ways of dealing with trolls without feeding them that are difficult because they're frustrating because you don't not, you don't not, you're not unable to like get a little snark in there or whatever but it's like you know pointless to get in an argument per se so it's almost like it's very much like whether it's you know a 60 year old man or a 12 year old kid it's very much like dealing with a four-year-old kid (laughs) yeah and those teachers that like are able to just sort of like look past that kid it'd be just sort of like yeah yeah buddy yeah you're pissed okay well you're gonna sit over here for now (laughs) and and oh yeah well i i yeah yeah well i know i know you don't like chocolate ice cream but you're just sitting over here okay buddy hey everybody blah 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 and then go you know you know they 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 strictly limit their amount of attention and what kind of attention it is and then just go about there and then go back to doing something productive, you know, and the point is always quickly bringing it back to the subject at hand and, you know, basically, you know, bringing it back to, okay, the grown up, now the grownups can talk again, you know, and the quicker and easier and more Zen, like you can return it to that situation, you know, the, the less interest they'll have. Cause a lot of the times it's just, they want to, they want to fight with somebody and get some sort of like satisfaction of getting a rise out of somebody. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's always, you're always splitting a difference. So at the same time, you also want to like whack them in the face a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to whack people in the face. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else about the frog lady controversy? No, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, blissfully i i don't feel i i yeah yeah excuse me i think I, and i think it's okay that's it's also a thing of the past i don't think it's going to be a, a lasting controversy in star wars so yeah um ah, well you ready for act one ah uh, no i'm not ready for act one oh shit all. i scrolled down too far hi yoda Oh, ready for act one. Ready for act one. Oh, Grover's back. Grover's back. Yoda never eats eggs. Not, not one egg ever. Blech. I bet you loved that Grover got canceled for like a week. Grover should get canceled forever. 
I know, I know. And I'm sorry, I, I scrolled too, down too far in the document, so I accidentally skipped your question. And you have a really interesting question this week, Yoda. An interesting question for Yoda. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to warn you. It's a little punchy. A punchy question for Yoda. Yoda's ready. Yoda can take a punch. Okay. So this week we actually had a question from one of our listeners, Mr. Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Paul he, writes... He is, he is the nephew of Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> really? I didn't know that about Paul. I can see the resemblance, yeah, at least in the voice. It's full of red liquid he is. I can, mm, I can, very much like Kool-Aid Man. Yeah, I definitely hear the resemblance in the voice. Um, so Paul writes... Question for Yoda. Supposedly, you stayed separate from Obi-Wan during the reign of the Empire because it would be dangerous if you were discovered. Yes. Was that just a cover-up and personally you just don't like Obi-Wan? I was thinking that's why you had Force Ghost Qui-Gon teach him the path to sustaining your essence, when in fact you could have. I recall in The Phantom Menace you say, Qui-Gon's defiance I sense in you, need that you do not. I think you were just like, you know, what will I just put the what would just put these two clowns? Why don't I just put these two clowns together? You thought the prophecy was misread. I think they were both on your shit list. Anyway, we all have to chug some swamp brews on Dagobah at some point. I read this. I was like, oh, Paul. <laughs> oh, yes, Paul is right. So, so I guess all this don't is like don't want neither of them hanging up buzz kills. They are both of them. Oh, sometimes they think they're funny. Oh, Obi Wan especially thinks he's funny. Dry humor, uh, not funny at all. No fun. Neither of them. So you're saying that Qui Gon and Obi Wan are on your shit list. Better off together, hanging out, not with Yoda. Don't want to learn the things that Yoda wants to teach. No. Oh, so boring, boring. Did you fall asleep boring while Jedi. teaching them? Huh? Did you fall asleep while teaching Obi Wan? Did what? What? Did you did you ever fall asleep while teaching Obi Wan because he was so boring? No, Yoda. Yoda only sleeps fifteen minutes a day, so. Does not does not get tired. Just Yoda just wanted to pull all the rest of Yoda's hair out whenever he was around them. Oh, oh, the prophecy, the prophecy. Oh, yes, master, yes, master. Never, never see Qui Gon drunk or having fun or hanging out with huts. No, went to, I mean... it went to stupid, stupid, like fake fake 50s restaurant thought he was cool <laughs> just a theme restaurant it was a cool it was basically space space yoda does not know your earth restaurant chains uh, 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 space uh, applebee's yes yoda has space. been to applebee's <laughs> Dex Diners, just space applebee's just theme diner yes i was thinking denny's so the space denny's Space Denny was a cool guy. Yoda would hang out with him. Did he warn the little boy about the ghost in the mansion and his father coming to kill him? Oh, wait, that's a shiny. Yeah, yeah Yoda does not know about that. <laughs> 
Just Newt knows he could open space beer bottle with his teeth. Wow. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Almost Jedi. Mm. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much, Yoda. We'll see you next week, okay? Oh, yeah. There he goes. Off to the wild. That, that went really well. It's for, I, for Grogu Arrow. Keep it, keep it off Grogu, and it goes pretty well. After last week, I thought I should give him an, an easy. Yeah, piece, so. uh, I, the fact that he's going to therapy is pretty disturbing. I don't want to push it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I do want to say because I forgot to say this at the top of the show, we have a guest announcement at the end of the episode. So I just wanted to say it here to make sure that you guys know to stay tuned towards the end of the episode to hear who our cool guest is next week. I'm excited. I, it's Here's where my brain's at. It's in huge red letters at the top of the document. And I just you almost gave right. Yoda the boot to get to act once. Oh, so. I, I, yeah, I, I, I am a little tired today. It was not obvious. <laughs> I'm still catching up on my sleep from the weekend. So, so. anyway, act one. I'm ready for it. All right. <clears throat> so I want to give just a tiny recap of last week, just to see, know why Den and Grogu are in the desert. Um, last week, Den met his new boyfriend, Den Kopanth, uh, and they killed a crate dragon, and he got Boba Fett's armor, and now he is driving back to Pelimoto. That is why this op- episode opens in the middle of the desert. So now we're all caught up. Anyway, Den and Grogu are driving through the desert! And there are some bandits who are just like, oh man, they're coming. Get ready. And they make a tripwire, and Din goes flying off his bike, and Grogu goes rolling through the sand. And then the bandits are like, get him! And they run out there, and Grogu and, and Grogu's like, ah, things are happening. And Din's like, I must protect my baby. And Din starts fighting them, and like punching them, and kicking them, and being the badass himbo he is he's a a mama, he's a daddy bear mama bear, he's a daddy bear and he's fighting them and when all the other guys are dead he hears poor Grogu cry out and he turns and there's a Jawa with a knife to Grogu's throat and Jen's like, dude chill out that's my baby boy, don't hurt my baby boy, you can have anything else here but him, and then Jawa's like well, that's a really nice jetpack you got. And did like, you you can have it. Like, just just give me my son. So he puts down the jetpack. And baby, baby Grogu runs to his daddy. And it's really sweet. It's super sweet, you guys. And the Jawa's like, thanks. And he runs away. And as Chris said earlier, Den turns on the jetpack and comedically drops the Jawa to his death. And I kind of wish there was a better sound effect than a thud. Just like, maybe just like that, like, splat sound. Just like, um, and, and Grogu's like, Dad. He's like, what? He had a knife to your throat. Don't judge me, tiny, tiny child. But since their bike is wrecked, Din has to walk all the way back across the desert with his son to the best person in the entire galaxy, Heli freaking Moto. And of course, she is in the cantina, living her best life, playing Sabacc, with a big ass bug dude because of course she is she's pelimoto of course she's rolling with a bug man and it turns out this bug man i kid you not who is named dr mandible best name no might know where some other mandalorians are and den's like all right 
can you tell us? And Pelly's like, if you pay for our Sabak game, and then d- that does, and Pelly gets all his money, and she's like, all right, bitch, let's go. <laughs> so they get back to Pelly's hangar where Grogu is frying up some meat. Um, I don't have a note about that scene. I didn't put it in my notes, but I always just thought it was a really cool scene of them frying up the meat dragon or the crate dragon meat. I, I don't know. I thought it was a really cool scene. I don't have any other notes past that though. Uh, they're frying up some meat, and Pelly is like, all right, here's the deal. This contact says she knows where other Mandos are. And she's coming to the hangar right now to meet us. And apparently there's a Mando covert on the next planet over. And Den's like, cool. What's the catch? This is too good to be true. She's like, there is no catch. Why would I lie to you? Why would you think there would be a catch? Okay, so there's a tiny catch. Uh, you have to transport her, but you can't use hyperspace. And Dim's like, that's a fucking deal breaker. Nobody travels normal space. It will take 583 years, Pelly. I'm not doing that. She's like, then I guess you don't find out where your Mandos are. He's like, why are we doing that? Because then, in all her beautiful glory, the Frog Lady shows up. And I love her, you guys. I love Frog Lady. She's so precious and she's shy and she just waddles up and they're like, hi everyone, I'm Frog Lady. I'm great, and these are my kids. And Pelly explains that the cargo is her and her eggs. If they jump the hyperspace, the eggs will die. And this is Frog Lady's chance to go to her husband who has already gone on ahead. And then it's just like, fine, I'll go. But I don't like it, Pelly. No more skeezy missions. And she crosses her fingers and holds up her cross fingers in front of her face, in front of Den's face, and says, I promise, Den, no more skeezy missions. See my cross fingers? That's how much I promise. So, Den doesn't have any other options, so he shuffles Grogu and Frog Lady onto the Razor Crest, and they're on their way! What'd you think of Act 1? I don't know if Dr. Mandibles is official name or if she was just like, it's just like, you know, um, a, a nickname. She she came up with him, you know, on the spot or her, you know what I mean? But I, I, I really hope his name is Dr. Mandible. Me too. I love that name. Great name. You know, I, I want a Dr. Mandible act, action figure now. And he's a carrot. We've seen that carrot. I think that they had one of those in the original cantina. So, like, you could just start call if they if they'd actually made it into an action figure. That you know, now we'd know it's Doctor Mandible. But yeah, I I really would hope it it would be Doctor Mandible. There's nothing in his Wikipedia that says that it's a nickname. So I'm just gonna say it's his real name because I say so. Yeah, it's we don't have any other names, so Doctor Mandible is is what it is for now, until t- until otherwise officially informed. Um, all right, I this uh, this episode is just beautiful. All the speeder bike footage in this is well, a it's in its in beautiful cinematic aspect ratio. It's just. The way it's filmed and the way the way it's presented is just is just beautiful. That 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 crash and then the fight is just so so presented in a Star Wars visual way. The way 
he flies off the flies off the thing, tumbles under his feet, and then the the speeder tumbles past him. It is just so visceral and awesome and, and like, kinetic. And, yeah, and like how he clicks on the the jetpack to land on his feet while Baby Yoda goes tumbling. That puppet, and I know some of it's probably CGI too in that scene because rolling a puppet while maneuvering it is hard. So I'm sure some of it's CGI too, but like. Yeah. They do. There's so much they do with like Baby Yoda in those kind of scenes too. That looks so real. And I think sometimes they make him look more puppety too, because the puppet part of him is kind of appealing. Sometimes I think that they they could have made like when he's walking and stuff, they could make it look more smooth and more realistic. Or sometimes when he gets set set down and his head will just sort of turn and you can tell he's a puppet, you know, and he just sort of is standing still except for his head. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think that is actually appealing. I think people actually like that. I like that. So it's, I like it's, that it's too, to because with the, especially with the walking, like where he's kind of looks like he's toddling because he's a puppet. Kids, baby kids learning to walk actually kind of walk like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of like awkwardly like, a puppet. like go so, back and forth a little bit. But yeah, the, just the way everything is shot and presented in this is so cinematic. And like, I mean, you can see the just cinematic sheen on the special effects, the detail and the, you know, the just extra, extra effort to make it look just beautiful and and, and very realistic, too, while still being sort of stylized and fun. It's just really nice. And my only other note is I I love how his brand new shiny armor is already getting, you know, all fucked up and and it's already got a layer of tarnish and dirt and scratches and dents in it. Not quite to the point of like when you see Boba Fett's armor, but, you know, it's it's getting there, you know, Mm -hmm. he's 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 really he's really uh, taking advantage of that Beskar. And I, and I just love how, you know, like he was just super shiny in the last episode, but his uh, his jetpack is still shiny. His jetpack still looks like polished, yeah. polished uh, stainless steel. But uh, yeah, it's it's just. Uh, just awesome. I didn't note it, but that was also something I noticed towards the end of the episode where his armor has both ice and spiderweb stuck to it. And I really like that detail. I, I didn't note it, but I, it did stick out to me as well. And, oh, my only other note is um, the the frog lady. I also, the, I think the first time I thought saw it, I misinterpreted it, that these eggs were the last of her species. <laughs> so it was even more intense. For I... me. This time I was just like, oh, it's just the end of her, her blood. Oh, okay, it's the end of her bloodline. It's So it, yeah. it put it in a different, little different context for me. Me too. Because I, I thought it was, because a lot of the p- quotes that I was pulling, like, it's the it's extinction, it's the end of her species. Yeah. But, like, watching it in the context, she says specifically it's the extinction of her line. But, yeah. yeah. it made Grogu into just more of, like, a supreme asshole rather than, like, genocide (laughs) yeah but yeah that's all i got for act one um as for me um, i'm gonna get my shallowest note out of the way because i'll definitely get into more of her later on the episode 
I love Frog Lady. I love her little costume. I love her coloring. I love her little backpack. She's so precious. And, and that's that's a good costume. And and I'll talk more about Misty Rojas later, too. But, like, I I just love her. She's so precious. I like how they have to, like, through... Because frogs don't really have super expressive faces, you know. I mean, sometimes if you have an animated cartoon frog, it can you know smile and stuff but they're trying to play this close to the bone of what a frog like lizard lady would look like so you know they they just have sort of have the like mouth you know that's it's open or closed or whatever so she has to use body language and stuff like that to portray what's going on internally you know maybe i'll just go ahead and do the misty rojas line because misty's acting is stellar um, and it's just like little things like when Den is careening and she just like throws her arms on the ship and just screams like she, Misty is able to get across so much emotion through the body language, how she holds herself. And she acted the crap out of Kawil in season one. And she's acting the crap out of the frog lady. Yeah. And, and I, Misty and... Is, is a fantastic costume actor. And I hope Lucasfilm keeps on giving her work because well, she has been solid for two It's seasons. one of those skills that if you're doing it right, people don't really notice it consciously. Like so, Doug Jones is there? Yeah, like Doug, like Doug Jones. The same thing. Like you're looking at her and you're like, you know, if you didn't know anything about it, you'd be just like, yeah, you could put any kid in the suit and CGI the 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 head on it, and and it would be fine. But it it won't, you know. It's she, there's subtle, you know. Body language is so subtle, and like even even just the way like she was sleeping in the cabin and the way she woke up, and you know, it's it's just all it yeah it's 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 just something that's sort of like it's the kind of art where nobody you know. Nobody uh, uh, until you get to like Peter Mayhew and Chewbacca, where you're like, you know, getting a lot of attention for it. It's just sort of like this, like if if you're if you're doing it really well, you're sort of like hiding yourself from from the public, you know, from attention or being noticed. Yeah, cause there's just so many little things like I noticed um, her. Like like little things like she'll cover her eggs with the blanket when it's cold, or she'll if she's distressed sometimes she'll touch her scarf, and it's like what you know. And then me as a fan goes, why does she keep touching her scarf? Like is that something sentimental to her? Was it from her mother, her husband? Like there's a lot of like a fan could take something small like that and interpret it into the character, um, and it's just it's so well done. Misty is such a good character actor, and. And this character is so different from Kawil too. So it really showed between Kawil and Frog Lady, it like it shows a good range for her. And I just I really loved her acting in this episode. And she doesn't get enough things. And shout out to Dee Bradley Baker for the always amazing character voices. Gross, yeah. <laughs> he's he's um a lot of his uh like I know he has like at least fifty to hundred roles where he's just animals. He's a very good animal actor. Mm -hmm. He's He's Appa and Momo and Avatar for the whole like three episode trip scene because I'm bad at life. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's just really good. What at was it. that? I just watched some some cartoon thing where he was an animal all the way through it. Oh, I think it was. Wasn't it that um, you ended up watching it too? 
with the kid and his brother that went over the 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 wall and the oh over the garden wall over the is garden he, wall. Is he not? I'm trying to think of cartoon series that I watched that you didn't watch. <laughs> you know, it's a short list, but I, I remember. Oh no, I know what it is. It's I was gonna the, say I don't think Star, in... it's the Star Trek, the Star Trek Prodigy show. He plays a little little blob alien in that that doesn't that just speaks in alien noises. Yeah, a little indes- indestructible amoeba-like creature. Um, anyway, those, those are the only two animated shows that I could possibly watch. So, yeah. <laughs> Actually, have you ever seen uh, Symbiotic Titan? No. That is a show that I haven't watched yet, but I just downloaded it, and I'm very excited to watch it, because it's been on my watch list forever, and it's a Gindy Tartakovsky show. So I was like, maybe Chris has seen this one first, so, but I just downloaded it, and I'm really excited to get into it. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, my, my other small note that I have for the scene was just the little moment where the Jawa puts Grogu down and he just goes running at Den. And it's just, I, I love just little moments like that in this episode. Like when they're first sleeping, like Grogu crawls up on Den and like puts his head on his chest and just the little things they do to help build Den and Grogu's relationship are just like really nice. And I just like those details. Um, all right. So about bigger notes. So remember last week when they were in the wrestling place and I was like, huh, I guess no one cares about the bounty on Grogu because he was a very high-priced bounty and maybe Grief Karga kept his word and dropped the bounty. Yeah, no, they, the first Mm-mm. thing they, the bandits yell are like, we gotta get the kid. The kid is worth a lot of money. So I'm glad they did address that here where there is still unresolved storyline about Grogu and people looking for him. And well, I was gonna say, just because Grief kept his word doesn't mean that the 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 empire the empire's not gonna still be looking for him so yeah so i'm I'm glad that, that they picked back up that storyline because last week it was a little bit weird that they walk into this place where everyone's like hey isn't that the high price bounty that was like a last week <laughs> last week he was a price bounty and now he's not so i'm glad that they did pick up that storyline because it was a little weird to me last week um, the only other note I have is, first of all, God, I love Polly so much. Her, her deadpan line of, d- to Den, stop crying, you'll rust, is such a good line. I get a feeling that, like, maybe the actress, uh, ad-libs a lot of that stuff. And oh, they, I they, bet they, they give does. her a little leeway. There's a lot of stuff that feels like it's coming from the actress that works really well. Yeah, I, and I like I I like how uh, also she can do frog lady speech too. Oh man, I remember the first time I watched this episode and Amy Sedaris whipped out that voice. I died laughing because. And I'll bet you she really did it too. I'll bet you that wasn't like you know post post dubbed in. I'll bet you she really could do that. So oh, it just seems like something wah, Amy Sedaris wah, wah, could do. Wah, yeah. wah. Like I, I can somewhat do it, and like. That's especially because so much in Star Wars, we're just because this was a joke, I think, in the Family Guy. Spe- it was either Family Guy or Robot Chicken, but I think it was Family Guy. They made a joke of like how everybody somehow knows all languages and can understand all languages. And so they did a joke of like, I don't speak this language. Please help me. So like in a lot of times in Star Wars, like if there's an alien character, everybody can just understand the alien. No problem. Barely an inconvenience. 
Um, so I do well, like. We, we've all also established that Pelly is really like into alien species. She's really into yeah. interacting with them, and 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 there is a scene in this where Din is actually like, "Do you speak Hatties?" You know, and try yeah. to like actually, and she could understand him. She could. He's speaking like, but she probably physically can't speak that. <laughs> you know his yeah. language but she could understand every word he was saying and that's kind of the point i was making like i kind of like there's these moments of like the language barrier because you don't actually really see that a lot and stuff you see it every once in a while like i feel like that came up once in clone wars and so it's come up before but it's not something that comes up a lot where you have two characters who absolutely cannot talk to each other <laughs> so i i just like that um the other part of Pelly i wanted to point out and I don't know if she was doing the if this was pre-planned or because he it was just coincidence. But it's subtle. And Pelly, when she when Din shows up and she's playing cards with Dr. Mandible, she's still getting intel and she has that intel ready for Din, where she says, Oh, did you kill the one Mandalorian you found? And she's like, Well, my friend here knows where Mandos are. And I just like that because it's just a nice little scene to show that she is his ally. She's willingly trying to help him. And and it's just building that little relationship. And she got 500 credits out of it, too. And meat. Dragon meat. Don't forget the dragon meat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did like that, too. And also, didn't kind of owe her. He wrecked her bike. So he did owe her. But she did that on her own where she, even though he was gone kept looking for Mando intelligence, like intel on Mando's, because A, she knows it's important for him, but more importantly, B, she knows he'll pay for it. <laughs> right. But it's just a nice little subtle scene that I liked. But that's all I have for Act 1. Did you have anything else? I do not. All right. Act 2? Act uh, 2. So our heroes are on their way not going through hyperspace, kind of going through the blackness of space. And Din realizes very quickly he's very bad at making small talk. And he's just like, do you like things, Frog Lady? And Frog Lady is just like, I don't know. Why are you talking to me? You know that you know that you don't understand me. What's happening? Din's like, this is going to be a long 24 hours, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> Meanwhile, down in the hold, Grogu is like, I'm gonna eat them eggs. And he just comes over and he touches the eggs. And they make the force sound. And so, yeah. And, like, he's like, eggs! And Den's like, alright, frog lady, we are now in, um, oh, what's it called? Autopilot? And we're all gonna get some sleep. So, you sleep up here all by yourself, a room away from your eggs that are very important to you and stuff and i'm gonna go downstairs good night and he comes downstairs. yeah I, I, I certainly don't have any safe places where i could lock up important cargo in my ship or anything like that being a bounty hunter but so we'll just leave the eggs out there i okay. actually that was always like a weird plot point to me that they're just in the middle of the floor downstairs and i'm like yeah. i know and and i know it's and, and i have to assume it's to set up the joke and stuff like that but they're just in the middle of the fucking floor and when the ship yeah. crashes they're still in the middle of the fucking floor and i'm like how did the jar not break like lock it lock it in the boiler room next to the heater or like put it like at least in the other seat with a seat belt or have frog lady yeah. hold them the whole time like that that was always a weird sticking point to me of just like they're just yeah. sitting in the floor 
not even strapped to anything or in a box. Like, they're just in the middle of the floor. Anyway, Den comes downstairs to go to bed, and he finds out his baby is eating the eggs, and he's just like, shit, fuck, no, bad. This is why Cobb Banff is your dad, because he's better at this than I am. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, we're just going to put the... Just put the lid back on there. Just don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. That's money. Don't, don't. Don't do that. So he picks him up and he puts baby Grogu in his little hammock. And they go to sleep. And it seems like it's going to be a nice show now. But oh no! Oh no, I just woke up Dario. Um, oh no! Den is awoken by the shit is going down alarm. He's like, what is it now? And he gets up. He crawls back up to the cockpit. And he sees that he's being flagged down by a couple of X-Wings, who are Carson Teva and Dave Filoni. And they're just like, hey there, you know, we, we noticed you were flying. And Den's like, yeah, we're all flying. What's going on, officer? And they're like, well, you're not transmitting a beacon. And Den's like, well, my ship's really fucking old, and I didn't have to do that. And they're like, well, we're under the New Republic now. So that means that you need to get yourself a new beacon. And Den's like, cool, I'll change my tail light. Thanks for letting me know. And it seems like they might let him go. And they all have a very awkward, may the force be with you and with you. And Dave Filoni calls in and he's just like, hey, Carson, let me talk to you for a second in private. And Den's like, oh, fuck me. And for a reminder, for the, because this is a big plot point, Dave Filoni's character, Trapper Wolf, was part of the crew was part of the X-Wing crew that gunned down Mayfield's people w- back in season one after Jen had captured, like, Macon, uh, Macon, Mayfield and Shion and um, the horned guy and stuff like that. Dave Filoni and Deborah Chow and Rick Fuyama uh, came up and killed the rest of the everybody. So he remembers that there was a Razor Crest flying away from that. <laughs> That's why we're here. Because that ship was apparently busting someone out of, out of prison. And Den's like, all right, well, can I go now? And they're like, no, I'm sorry. And the X-Wings switch into battle mode. And Den's like, oh, fuck me. And he runs. And he puts the gas on the pe- pedal. And there just happens to be a planet right there. A nice planet just happens to be there. They're not in the middle of the space. There's a planet. And he pli- pi- pilots. He pilots. He pilots the ship down into the atmosphere, and Frog Lady wakes up, and she is screaming, and the chase is on, and the Frog Lady is like, Oh my god! What is happening? This is the worst Uber ride ever! I'm taking Lyft next time. And they fly down to the ice planet, and it's a chase through the stars. The stars is a chase through the clouds. There's no stars on a planet. And they go down into an icy ravine, and it's all like, swoosh, swoosh. And the X-Wings are like, come on, Razorcrats, we don't really want to fight you. Can we just stop and talk about it? And Den is like, fuck you! And he flies into this little canyon cave, and he comes out the other side, and he slides across the ice and under a little rock formation, and they stop. And in the distance, they see the X-Wings fly away. And Den's like, oh, thank God, I can't go to jail. Oh, God. Frog Lady, are you okay? Frog Lady's like, I'm giving you zero stars on your review. This is sucks. And then they feel the sh- Razor Crest shake. And they re- and Den's just like, God, fuck, fuck me. And they fall through the ice. And as they fall through the ice, the entire group w- is knocked out. And after an undetermined amount of time, Den wakes up first. And he realizes it's cold. And, it's, and there's ice coming in. 
and he helps Frog Lady up, and he's like, I'm gonna get you a blanket, because blanket, because you're cold-blooded species, and I don't want you to die. And he comes downstairs, and he's like, oh, God, and there's a big-ass hole in the side of the res Razor Crest, and he's like, fuck me, what a day, how could this day get any worse? Where's my child? And there's Grogu, eating more eggs, and he's just like, Grogu, stop it! <laughs> he snatches him up and puts the lid on, and he's like, no, don't do that! You're gonna be an asshole! People will yell at you on Twitter! Don't do that! So he stops and he's like, oh, there's a hole in the side of the ship. Fine. So the frog lady comes down and they start camping and she's like, she's like, Mando, Mando, we gotta go, my eggs. He's like, we don't have a ship, lady. I don't know what you're going on about. We're lucky we get out off of here and don't die. And she's clearly scared because she's about to lose his, their, her children and this himbo Mandalorian is falling asleep with his little baby and see what frog lady does she takes matters into her own hands she finds the droid that was in the Mayfield episode and she reprograms it and she's just like wake up you motherfucker and it pops up and, and she has taken over the, the droid so she can talk to him and she's like look I don't give a shit you are going to get me off this. This is my only chance to have children. These are my babies. And my husband risked his life to find the only planet that our species can have babies on. And you're going to just sleep and try not to die? You made me a promise. And I thought you were a Mandalorian. And, that's, and I thought being a Mandalorian meant something. Aren't you supposed to be honorable? Aren't you s supposed to fight against all odds to find a solution? You're I thought just, you were cool, man. You're just a disgrace, and I guess the stories were, uh, were not true, and they're only stories. And Dan is just, like, watching her. He puts down his child, and he stands up, and he snatches up his little toolbox, and he looks at her, and he's like, this isn't part of the deal. And he storms outside like a child, because he's all mad now. End of act two. <laughs> I do love that scene where, like, she dresses him down, and he's just like, ugh. And he snatches well, up the toolbox and stomps outside. <laughs> well, you would think, you know, from the way she looks and stuff, you, you picture this, like, Little, little lady voice, but she's got to use this robot voice, which sounds like a Dalek from, you know, it's just like Mandalorian, you know, and she's just like, so like, she's, it, it's great. It gives her just this, like, <laughs> you know, just like grating voice in contrast to her appearance. It's, it's just a neat little scene. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love the Dave Filoni part. Like, where he's, basically it's uh, you're getting pulled over by the cops, except it's it's also got a little Columbo in it where it's like, hey, chit chat. And then, oh, just one more thing, you know, and that one more thing is the thing that's going to cause all the trouble. You I, know, the only thing about that that's scene right out of Columbo. The only thing about that scene is I would have liked to see Dan at least try to lie. Being like, no, I was nowhere near a prison break. I don't know what you're talking about. But he just runs, which automatically <laughs> condemns him. Well, I, I don't know if he's ever going to get much of a choice. And he's a himbo. He probably couldn't come up with anything good. Whenever he's trying to, like, 
bullshit his way through something. He usually, unless he's got like some plan that he's plotted out, he's not. He's oh, he can improvise like in a fight, but like when it comes to words, he's just like, uh, that's a very no. valid point. That's you a know? super valid point. <laughs> so, you know that that just that that one more thing that's got they got him. There, there. He's he's mentally outgunned right at that point. It's Columbo. He's getting Columboed. But on his side is those two are kind of fanboys. They love him. They don't they don't really want to pull him over and arrest him or anything. They want to be his friend. But they're, you know, they're but they're 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 kind of like doofy doofy cops, you know what I mean? They you know, and both both of them know that they're probably more or less should get along and stuff, but you know, they all they're all doing their job, so and and so you have that that sort of thing. And I I, I think they're just like you know, at the, they're, they're more excited about getting to chase him around and come on, don't make us shoot you, Mandalorian. And they're not going to shoot him. <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't want to shoot him. You know, they, they couldn't bring themselves to do it because they all know they're all buddies. I, I have some that, notes about the New Republic people, but I need Act 3 first. So I will come back to that. My thoughts about them. Yeah, the, these the, the, these guys, you know. They, 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 they really, they want to have an excuse to pull him over and then be friends with him and say, look, we don't agree with your methods, but dude, you're cool. <laughs> you want a beer, <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I have some Basically. thoughts about them because I actually think they're one of the most interesting part of this episode. So I will definitely come back to them. Um, but, um, that chase sequence is like, so pretty. It's amazing and kinetic and realistic, but it, you know, it combines like it's combining a lot of the best elements of the animated shows visually with, you know, real, you know, realistic special effects. Although, you know, some of the, um, if it's, if it's like a spaceship flying against, um a planet where you don't where people aren't involved really sometimes it's hardly different between some of the animation now and a cinematic representation of it you know it, yeah. but this was this was just that but it is different because when you see it like this it's just like holy shit i would love to see that sequence on a big screen that would be like I mean that 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 would be up with any any of the action stuff we've seen in the it's it's better than any the the action sequences in the whole um sequel trilogy which you know even in my favorite in all of neither of those directors I think are like visual directors you know they they can get the visual stuff to it looks nice and it's good but it doesn't have that special Star Warsy kind of feel to it, and this episode has it in spades. You you are it sucks you right into that chase, you know. It also helps it, you know. You're you're attached to all the characters, and you're you know emotionally. But it's just it's just beautiful. The the I just can't say how off the charts the special effects were in in this, and you know, and when it. when it cracked through the ice and stuff just it had the feel of and and for all i know maybe there were some parts that they filmed in this with models but you know the stuff was feeling very real and and 
and they're you know present uh, unlike what cgi can sometimes be like and it was just it was it was jaw dropping it was i was just like wow you know and and we we basically have like i'll get more into it in in part three but like you know this s each each part of this each act of this episode has like a a, a just beautiful spe- beautifully executed special effects sequence set piece and they escalate you know they get bi- bigger and more and they're and they're all different they're all a, a different feel and a different pl- each in a different place with different things happening it's it's the visual guy star wars guy dream episode so yeah i um so i just wanted to look it up because i was like oh what other stuff has peyton reed done um he's the director of the ant-man movies but more importantly he's also the director of the classic and one of my childhood favorite movies bring it on which i've never seen it's but, a movie about competing cheerleaders, cheerleaders yes. doing cheerleaders. Yeah, I remember. Oh. I remember when it came out. It was a big hit. But oh, uh, yeah. I, 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 I he, might, he might be my favorite. Uh, this might be my favorite directed. This might be like right in with uh, with episode two of the of the first season as being you know the the best directed Star Wars stuff in a long time. He he really has the feel for. For uh, uh, you know how how a Star Wars story is presented, it's it was yeah thrilling. Uh, this, this That's all I dem- got for Act Two. Thrilling. This isn't, a, this isn't a democracy; it's a cheerocracy. That's from Bring It On. Anyway, <laughs> Bring It On. Oh, love it. Um, I want to watch Bring It On. I should watch that. Uh, <laughs> my my first note is I just like Grogu's little hammock. I just think it's cute that Den has this like little place for Grogu to sleep now because it's his son. It was just really sweet. Um, so this is not a gripe. It's just something I find really interesting. Den says, may the force be with you. But last season, he had no clue what a Jedi was. And I find that really interesting. And I really like that, actually, because a lot of the other shows like Clone Wars and Rebels and Resistance has shown the Force has many different forms to different people in Star Wars. So it makes me wonder how Din knows about the Force, who taught him about the Force, but why he doesn't know what a Jedi was, or he didn't used to at least. And I think that's a really interesting point to him, that he knows the... How does he know what the Force is? And in what form? Has he ran into a Sister? Did he run into Lasats? Like, 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 I, I would love to know that story because that's that's a really fascinating little beat to me. I I got the feeling that he picked up that that's something that the Re- the the rebels or the New Republic say to each other, and oh, so he was I, like, I like that take too. And, and and he was like, okay, I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna say you know it would be you know. It's it's just he's just saying oh yeah and because it sounded also like it didn't sound disingenuous but it, he had nothing behind it because he doesn't know what the force is he he was saying it you know he's just like may the force be with you and they're like and you also which is just a joke to the the Catholic <laughs> meme on it you know a reference to that which I thought was pretty funny 
But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I figured it, he was just trying to, you know, it's just like when how the way people always call cops sir and stuff. He was trying to, you know, he was trying to give them what they wanted. And he's a little awkward about it. And it, it came out sounding awkward. And, you know, he, he didn't have any, you know, so he didn't have no soul behind it because it's just a friend, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, make sure you tell him, you know, so I could see him talking with some other bounty hunter, some low life. And the guy's like, look, he just got to say, may the force be with you. They love that shit. That's what they always say to each other. You know, it's her thing, you know. OK, so. I, I thought that it, it reminded me it was it was sort of like getting pulled over, but at the same time mixed in with the cop at your door talking to you, too, because, you know, you can't really do that. You know, it's you, it's not a two step process in space. They just pull up and start talking to you. Uh, but it had that same feel of just like, oh, shit, we're busted. But and then and then that you know where that those moments where you go like oh maybe they don't care maybe we'll get past this you know yeah. but he was being shifty he was just like oh no that's broken oh well, or, or i don't have that up. well we'll wait and he's like oh yeah, it doesn't seem to be working yep yeah <laughs> so then it be just, just becomes both of them humoring each other till either he runs or doesn't run and <laughs> that's interesting it's, a, it's it's a classic it's classic yeah. No, no, I like well, that. It's classic, but it's like classic of like a West, uh, you know, anybody getting interrogated, but it's in space in Star Wars language, which makes it so awesome that, you know, there's trouble when they're when their wings open up, you know, you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I love that moment where he's just like, yeah, oh, no. Um, my I, I totally hear what you're saying, um, and I do think that's probably the explanation. But if it's not the explanation, that'd be an interesting story that I would like to explore at, yes. at some point. Um, but but honestly, after you explained it, I'm like, that's probably it. Because they said that all the time in the rebellion. They say that, like the senators say that, like Leia said it. Like, so it probably is just the thing people are like, just say may the force be with you and move on. So I, I, sort of, it, uh, You know what? It sort of rhymes with Han Solo in the in the first star wars movie when he's like well i'm taking my gold and leaving and luke's like yeah fuck you then and he's like okay well bye luke may the force be with you and luke's just like yeah <laughs> 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 whatever dipshit and the way he said it and the way they said it is both han solo had a little more stank in it because he was it was a more dramatic scene but it was the same you know he didn't he didn't get may the force be with you he was just trying to say the thing that they were all saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to talk actually a little bit about an episode from last season, from season one. Um, I think it's really easy nowadays, especially when we have a, like a lot of shortened season stuff. Like when we, we have, no, 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 I'm going to start this over. I think it's really easy nowadays to label an episode as the dreaded F word filler. Dum, 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 the filler episode. And I remember when season one first came out, the Mayfield episode with like uh, she on the Twi'lek and they were breaking into the prison ship and stuff like that. Originally, that was largely labeled as filler at the time because it didn't at the time that it aired seem important. Now, just in this episode alone, there are two callbacks to that episode. One with Dave Filoni's character being back and Mando still having the droid from that episode. And we know later in this season Mayfield is back. 
So I always think it's important to remember that when a show is ongoing, that some things might not be addressed right away. And it's really important to sit and wait and be patient. You also don't know, like, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe that plot line was going to go through, but it wasn't going to be Mayfield who was with the Mandalorian at that time. But then they were like, you know, who would be perfect for this? So, because he's an ex, you know. So it might have been had to do with like they were like, wow, we had a really good response, and Bill Burr did a really good job as Mayfield. You know, maybe we can find a way to to slip him in here or something. So you don't know if it's that, but either way, the filler episode is spawning. And like, if whatever the case is, like, this is kind of cool that they were, you know, these, this character, the Filoni's character returns, but, uh, boy, Mayfield, (laughs) when Mayfield comes back, that's a real, like, like that was like, I were, you know, my, the first time through, that was one of my favorite episodes of season two. Uh, and that and is my, my favorite episode. Definitely, of season two. it contained my favorite scene of season two. So, that is my favorite episode of season two. <laughs> so you know, you know, so yeah, so it's so Mayfield and 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 Mayfield could have been just like, oh, you know, he was a fun character, and you got a chance, and Bill Burr got a chance to be in Star. Although Bill Burr didn't really give a shit about being in Star Wars. But, you know, people like seeing Bill Burr and it was like, oh, it was good to have him. But now, actually, it turns out Bill Burr is like kind of uh, uh, possibly I hope he I hope he recurs again, you know, because mm-hmm. he's awesome. <laughs> but I, I do think people are a little bit quick to like label an episode filler, especially when a show is still ongoing. Now, I, I do feel like once a show is ended it's much easier to go back and be like, all right, these stories didn't go here and stuff like that. Maybe they were more filler. But I want to share this quote from Matt Braley. He is the creator of Amphibia. And he said, "Um, be careful about skipping episodes because you think they look like filler. You may get to the end and not realize you missed the journey completely. And so what I like about this quote is something I do believe in because I actually love the quote unquote filler episodes because they're almost always character episodes. And I'm a very firm believer that character development is plot. It is plot. Is is it moving the narrative forward? No, but a lot of times quote unquote filler episodes are moving the it character can, it forward. And though, I mean, when it's working best, it, it certainly is moving the plot forward, you know? Yeah, but so they're, no, they're tied together. Yeah, so I, I usually like this episode, and I, I just, I like that this episode had many callbacks to an episode last season that was originally labeled filler, and we even said when we talked about the Prisoner episode, uh, we were like, this episode has a lot more weight now that we know what has happened in season two in Book of Boba Fett, and it, it changed the course of that episode, and it was different for both of us when we watched it, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to make that note. All right, Frog Lady! My big old frog lady note. I love her. <laughs> um, if it's not obvious. Uh, there, so my mother is there aren't a lot of mothers in Star Wars. The pool of Star Wars moms is still very small. But Frog Lady very quickly establishes like what why she's one of the best moms. She figures out a way to get past the language barrier and she demands that oh. Den listen to her. It was basically when he said, ah, I could wait till morning. That was when she was just like, oh, we'll see if it can wait till morning. Because that's like one of the first things she said. She said, this cannot wait till morning, which 
is a beautiful line because it shows she stewed over it and it also told Din, yeah, I understood everything you said. I could understand everything you said, you know? Yeah. And, and also like, he's kind of been ignoring her and of course shit is happening there's a hole in the ship they're crash landed but like she points to her little container with her eggs and the little battery is almost out and she's like look at this and he like walks right past it and i like that scene where she is talking to him because she's not only advocating for herself but she's also explaining the danger her husband went through and she's demanding that he helps her for the future of her possible children. And she makes Den listen to her. And in context to Den, a lot of the characters this season, and we talked a little bit about this last week with Cop Vanth, a lot of the characters in this season represent parts of Den and Either they remind him who he is, they are challenging him as a Mandalorian, they're challenging him as a person. So every cameo, as much as I harp on the cameos and I don't always like them, every cameo is there for to be a piece of Den. And she specifically calls out him as a Mandalorian. And she's like, this is what your people do. This is your people's honor. It's said that Mandalorians have honor and you're failing that and she reminds him of what his honor is and what it stands for and you know what den does yeah he stomps out of there and huffs but he figures out how to make it work because that's what a mandalorian does and she pushes him to remind she pushes him to remember what a true mandalorian is and how they do things and i like that for her character yeah yeah he was sort of pushing around because he couldn't understand her you know it gave him he could just sort of be like look i'm in charge of the ship we're doing it this way and so she was just like nope i will make him i will make you understand um but that's all i have for season two or season two act two did you have anything else no i was gonna say yeah well you should have some more for season two but yes let's uh no this is the last episode of mandalorian let's wrap this this uh froggy up in webbing uh, 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 my least favorite uh, uh, uh. not my least favorite because it's bad my least fa- favorite because uh, spiders act three act three so den is very huffily working on the ship he's like stupid frog lady telling me what to do and telling me i'm a bad mandalorian i'm a good mandalorian Son, am I a good Mandalorian? And he stops and he looks at Grogu and he's like, wait, why are you outside? And Grogu's like, ah, dad, dad, uh, thing. You need to see the thing. Come here and see the thing. And they go over and it turns out Frog Lady has just left. And she's left a trail in the snow. And they follow the trail and they find my girl living her best life in a hot springs. And also trying to keep her eggs alive by keeping them warm. And Den is like, come on, man, I I can't, like, fix the ship and protect you. And, like, yeah, it's really warm in here, and I totally get it. And Grogu, don't eat that egg! Don't you eat that egg! Grogu's like, oh, I'm sorry. I know, I'm hungry, though. I'm a growing baby Yoda. And so as Den is helping Frog Lady gather up all the eggs and put them back in the jar, Grogu realizes that there are new eggs around him. And he walks up, and he's like, wait a second. This cavern is full of eggs. So many eggs. This is like 
golden corral for Grogu. Hell yeah, all you can eat. And he goes over and he cracks Grogu over. Corral. Grogu Corral. See, this is why we're friends, Honeywell. <laughs> and so he busts open this brand new egg. And it's a spider egg. And he's like, ooh, boy. And he pops it in his mouth. Actually, Chris, I have a question for you. I've always wondered this. Right. And you're a puppeteer, so I figured you would know this question. I'm a puppeteer. You're a puppeteer. <laughs> puppeteer. So, do they make do they make specialty puppets so a puppet can eat a thing? Because where does that doesn't like how does that spider go all the way into Grogu's mouth and then vanish? I think it's either it was either a reverse where they had little balls that you could squeeze down that would pop back up and they they popped it out and it was a reverse shot or it was or it was just sort of CGI'd in there and had it he he put the, his hand up and then they just had it just sort of quick although you could definitely you could definitely rig up you know something with a little squeeze you know vacuum squeezer at the end or even they have the money to make something where you can throw a switch and have like a real vacuum thing suck a, a ball into Yoda's mouth for sure. Okay, because well, I don't no, no. think they make they. I, I mean, sometimes they make puppets the with a hole in their mouth so you could drop something in there. But like you know, I'm sure they could rig up a puppet to just suck a, a green slimy ball into, you know, uh, basically it's just like it would be ju just make a giant. Um, Oh, what do they call boba tea bubble? And okay, because I'm also talking about the spider, because he puts the whole spider in his mouth. I think that that looked like I, that looked like CGI to me. See, it looked real to me and didn't look like CGI, so I they, wasn't. There sure. might have been a little bit of both going on. You know, they might have had him put something in his uh, like a like model a green, of the spider in his or like a green mouth. thing, yeah. And then, and then put like the slot. The slime was going too perfect in some places. But it was also looking like real, like crazy string in some places too. So it's hard to tell. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean that that that's always a good thing, sort of when you can't tell if it's real or practical. It gets kind of creepy. It sort of defeats the uncanny valley. Yeah, because I, I figured like there's probably some sort of hole that they could just inside the puppet's mouth. They just put the spider into it, just tucks it in there. But I wasn't actually sure. sure so, because I, I, sometimes I'll watch like you know you'll see a Sesame Street clip and like there's nowhere the cookies are going. C -c -cookies, they could have a string hooked onto the end of the spider, you know, that they can just cut out and, and pull it down into the mouth as he feeds it with his hands. Yeah, yeah. I was just it's curious. Do so I know that Cookie Monster just like smashes cookies on his face? Yeah, that, he just smashes them on his face and lets them fall to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, so like, it's I, I kind of hellish, actually. The poor guy's trying to eat, but this has no throat. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, I was just always... curious. I, I wanted to hear like your thoughts on that because I always just thought it was interesting. So, anyway, uh, Grogu eats a spider. <laughs> huh? I was just laughing. Uh, just well, I'm glad you're having a good time because things are about to get scary. So Grogu eats a spider. And then the worst thing happens. And all the eggs in Grogu Corral starts to hatch. And Grogu starts backing up like, Oh, these were not good eggs. Uh-oh. Uh, Dad, 
Dad, Dad! And he starts running at Dan, and he's like, Dad, 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 look, look, look. And Frog Lady is like dressed, and they all both stop. And spiders just start coming out from everywhere. They start coming out of the eggs, they start coming out of the ceiling, they start coming out of the cave. And worst of all, the mom comes. And big old mom is like, Hey! You ate my child! I'm gonna get you! And she's pissed. And I can't even give her my funny animal voice I usually use. She's just like, I'm gonna fucking destroy you for touching my baby. And they run and run. And there's spiders everywhere. Like, thousand spiders chasing them down. And Den's just like, shit, shit. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm going to whip out Charles' least favorite thing, the flamethrower. Actually, Charles, I know you're listening. This is, The flamethrower actually works in this episode. And it gets them out of the door. So comment on that. Send me a comment. Because I know you hate flamethrowers. Anyway. That's like his thing. I can't wait to hear him make a rant about it one day. Uh, so spiders are everywhere. And the mom is coming. And she's like crashing through rocks. And like chasing them down. And I can't underest- understate this. Spiders are everywhere. And Din takes out some explosives. And he throws them on the walls and the ceilings. And he explodes it. And the mom collapses. And it looks like she's down for the count. But the babies. The babies are still hungry. And... They're just like, oh god. So Dan, Grogu, and Frog Lady get back to the ship. And the spiders are now on the ship. And they make a climb to the cockpit. And this is where their final, their final stand will be. And Dan's trying to close the door to the cockpit. And the spider gets in and gets on Grogu's head. And he's like, ah, dad, dad, there's a spider on my head. And Dan's like, hold on, son, I'm in the middle of something. And he's like flamethrowing the door, trying to get the, the spiders out. And it all looks lost. My baby frog lady has one more trick up her sleeve because mama, mama frog has a blaster on her and she starts shooting down spiders too and she saves Grogu, she helps Den get the door closed and they're like, oh shit, we gotta get the fuck out of here. And Den sits down, he's like, okay, we're gonna try this. We're just gonna turn on the Razor Crest and try to take off and like get out of here and hopefully we don't die. But any place on this ice planet is better than this place with the spiders. And these the ship turns on and this starts rising. And Den's like, all right, the Razor Crest is finally taking off. And they start blowing all the spiders away. And then, boom, Bomba Spider drops down on them because she's not dead. And she smashes through the Razor Crest window, and it all looks lost. And Frog Lady is like, ah! And, and Grogu is like, ee! And Den's like, I hate my life! <laughs> and it all looks lost. But dun da help is on the way, because Dave Filoni and Carson Teva arrive just in time, and they shoot away all the spiders. And Den's like, okay, someone's here shooting the spiders. Y'all stay here. I'm gonna go check it out. And he creeps outside, and he realizes it's the X-Wing guys who never gave up looking for him, and he's just like, Hey, guys. They're like, Hi, Din. We found you. Hey, did you know you have an arrest warrant from the Prison Break episode? And Din's like, I don't have any recollection of that episode. That was a whole season ago, sir. I don't remember what happened. They're like, oh, 
you don't remember capturing the crew and protecting Matt Lantern in that episode? Ned's like, yes, yes, I remember that because that makes me helpful. I very much remember protecting Matt Lantern in that episode because he's great. And I definitely captured those people. So are you going to arrest me? And they're like, well, I guess we can wave it off because you saved animated Anakin Skywalker, or at least tried to. And they're like, so we'll just go. And he's like, y- you want to help me patch my ship? And they're like, nah, we're not going to arrest you, but we're not going to help you get off an ice planet either. Anyway, toodaloo. And the X-Wing pilots get in their ship and fly away and just leave Den Frog Lady and Grogu there to die. So Den's like, well, at least there's no more spiders. Back to work. So he fixed it up so where the cockpit can be pressurized. And that is the only way they're going to get off this planet. So he fixes the cockpit and they head on out of there. And everything seems to work and our heroes don't die. And they're off to next week's episode. The end. Yeah, they're definitely limping off to next week's episode. But yeah, next week I has love one it, of my... That's, that's, that, it's, it's, so far, it's... The, uh, as I remember it, this season becomes less like, but these first couple episodes are very much like following that just simple, you know, setup story resolution and then go into the, you know, he's limping on to the next story. It's all just really cool. One of my favorite jokes of the season is actually next week's episode when they get to the planet and they land the ship. And it just falls into the water just because it's so busted. And Den's just like, huh. And then the next scene is them towing the ship out of the water. <laughs> I love that scene. Anyway, what's your thoughts on Act 3? Ah, I loved it. it, it just, it, it's got... Um... Uh, this is the, I mean, you got your Grogu being morally ambiguous. You got a nice little, uh, um, reference to alien, the alien movie, the original alien. Um, one thing that's weird is those spiders that he was, the, the one he ate and that were all hatching out were pretty tiny. And then as they ran down the hallway, the, the spiders were quite a big bit bigger, probably because they're easier to see. And I was like, how did they get so big? So, And then I was thinking, oh, those are just like, they were all different size spiders were coming and the bigger ones can just run faster because their legs are longer. So yeah. it's always the bigger ones that are going to catch up to you first. And oh my God, I forgot about it. I forgot about it, but how could I forget about it? Because I love it so much. I know you love it too. We all love it. Everybody loves the frog lady hop. I love it. I have that uh, now because I love that she jumps when she runs. And it's, it's, I, I, I just, I love it. She's running so. at first, but when she's like, fuck it, I gotta run. She just goes right into frog hopping. That, it's awesome. I, yeah. And I like sometimes, like, she'll slide across the snow and she has to get her feet back out under her again. She'll be like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah, it's that amazing. Animation. It's, it's awesome. And it's, and the way that and and they save it to last, it was uh, it's great, and and then you know presented it the per- perfectly presented. It's it's great. Um, my my only other shallow note is I love the line where he's just like, "Well, we're going on a trip. We're going to be locked in the cabin. So if you got to piss, piss now or bring a jug or something." 
yeah. I, I like that. But it was very it was very western like where he's like, if you gotta use a privy, use it now. But um uh, I, I just love this episode and each each all three all three acts had an insane set piece, each one getting more complex and of a you know the first ones in the set in the desert and is just you know very traditional mandalorian beginning and then we've now we've got then we've got snow which we had a little bit of snow in the first episode i believe and and but you know this the snow this whole new whole world it's sort of like reminds me empire strikes back when they were in the crater in the in the asteroid field it actually but, reminds me a lot of the honorable ones from Rebels where Zeb and Callus are stuck and they had to fight off monsters. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it also, like, again, also, the spiders from Rebels are not the same as the spiders, but, of course, they both have spiders. Like, there's a lot of Rebels feels to me in this episode. It's just, It's got a whole bunch of a lot of everything. It just uses a, whatever it has to from any source in Star Wars to... to propel it forward and they and they're all used perfectly i just i just love it and then you know the the second the second one is just the chase through the the planet is amazing it's fun to see x-wings you know uh, doing their thing and then this this one is just like a pure horror set piece and uh it's it's awesome and i i love the sound of Ma- the mandalorian guns too the blasters so there's a lot of that when he's picking off all the all the bugs so that was that was amazing and then then a nice dramatic um finally like bringing out the flamethrower where it, i i loved how they did it the first time too where you know, it's just off screen and you just see, you know, the whole hallway light up and then he comes around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. But that's all I have for Act 3. I have very little notes, but that's because it's just pure. I, I was I was just eating this up with a spoon, you know. I was just riveted through the whole thing. It's 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 what I want. It's what I want. Um, I have a little note and then I have my, my big X-Wing note. Um, I there's there's one musical score in this episode I really like, and you first hear it when Yoda when when Grogu is first looking at the eggs before he ever eats them. He like puts his hand on them and he pulls them close with the force, and then that score comes back again when he's walking through the spider eggs, and it's like this very like melodic, um, uh, a uh, uh, score that sounds almost like whimsical a little bit. It's it reminds yeah. me of some of the force themes we sometimes hear in like Rebels or Clone Wars. But what I liked about this one in particular in Act Three is it's repeating that score from earlier, and then you hear it slowly shift into a horror score as the eggs start coming off. It's like <laughs> like and the, the score shifts, and it's a really nice little musical piece. I really like. And yeah. And I love it, but any any and that's yeah. Anybody who'd seen Aliens though knew it was going bad before that. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's wonderful. It's just yeah. There's all different kinds of tension being deployed in this, and some of it very traditional, and some of it very weird, like Grogu with the eggs. But it, you know, it's 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 a combination of 
you know the special effects sequences are really fun but there's this under, there's this tension overlaid over everything and everybody in it that's not over it's not overdone but it's there mm-hmm. you know um and then my one big note of the section um i'm going to very kindly disagree with you chris i do not Uh-oh. read um the x wing pilots as like wanting to be buddies with den how i saw it is the new republic is running on empty because we don't get, like we're starting to like really kind of get an idea of the new republic from like shows like resistance and the sequel trilogy and other supporting materials but we're starting to see in this show too and a lot of the stuff we've seen so far is reading between the lines but when we start putting together like the stuff in resistance the stuff in the sequel trilogy the stuff in mando the stuff in book of Fett, it's actually makes a lot of sense that here in Act 3, they let Den go. Because they are spread so thin, they can't be everywhere at once. So, like, that to me is, like, why they didn't well, want yeah. to shoot down Den. Because they don't want, they don't have time. To, we, we even know this. I I think it's in, it's either in, later in this season or Book of Boba Fett. But someone, somebody pulls over Den. And Den flies, this Book of Boba Fett, because he has his brand new ship. He uh he speeds off the speed of sound, and the guy the the young guy is like, should we go after him? And the other guy goes, do you want to do the paperwork? He's like, no, nah, it's fine. But like they are so spread thin, and they have a huge lack of resources that they all they want to do is bring in Den, but they don't really have the manpower to do all the extra stuff. And what what I also like is they're also showing some of the stuff of that the republic is known for they could have easily killed den at any point in time they don't bring him in and they leave him on the ice planet but they don't shoot him down so like it's this weird kind of like lawless kindness where they're like we're not going to kill you but we're not going to help you either i also think this i don't think that i think that he would i think a a run-in with them and den would be would be fatal for them but i think and it would also be one of those things where, you know, they were going, don't make me, don't make me. Um, uh, but if they actually did start shooting at him, like, I think I don't. And I also think Din would not half would half hearted, like neither one of one of them would want to, like, shoot the other one. But like both of them would go into it half heartedly. But then Den's going to win. He's just more battle hardened and he's. You know, we're they're in the early stages, but they're gonna find out that character that guys like Den that are on the front, you know, on the fringes and are technically illegal. They're it's sort of like Hondo. You know, the the Jedi like had had utilized Hondo's help a few times or you know, had run-ins where they, you know, had something in common for Hondo. At any time, he probably needed to be brought in. He was probably, <laughs> you know, yeah, it could, should, should, but, but, you know, they, they, they have to like someone like the Mandalorian. They go, look, this guy is, he's pretty much a good guy, you know, he's do, he's dealing in the bad elements of the galaxy or something, but he's, you know, he's probably going to do the right thing. So they probably, you know. There's you just strike a different balance with him. You don't try to bring him in every time because you're going to force it into a situation sometime that you're just going to be dead for 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 no for no reason. Putting him in jail 
And then they probably think to themselves, it would probably be better to have him out than in jail because he's, you know, ultimately like not out. He's not out for destruction and chaos. You know, he's out for himself, but he's also not completely self-driven. You know, the guy's got a kid. (laughs) Yeah. So. So that I was just, you know, I was sort of trying to be funny about it, being like, yeah, they want to hang out and they think he's cool and they want to have a beer with him. But I think it's just sort of like, you know, there's there's cops that have people that they know are doing illegal things, but they also know that they can get information off them. And those people, you know, are they are they like them for some reason, you know, and are like, you know, ah, he's a good guy. He means well, you know, he has a problem or whatever, you know, so. Yeah, and I, I just I like every time the New Republic shows up because you know last season um, I think it was episode one where uh, Grief was like oh you can just go to the New Republic and then says the New Republic is a joke they're not out here and we know from Resistance that Doza didn't couldn't even call the New Republic because they're not going to come all the way out to Castellan to help them with the First Order because there there's just not enough resources. And so, like, I think if I remember correctly, Mando is set five years after Return of the Jedi, um, or, or roughly yeah. five years. It might be a seven so, years. Something like that, yeah. And so every time we see them, um, I think scenes like this really says a lot about what the state of the New Republic is roughly in and why we get to the point in the sequel trilogy where they're just gone. So yeah. it just says a lot, and I think it's really cool. But that's all I have for this episode. Do you have anything else? I do not. All right, Chris. Well, score up the episode for me. I gave it a 9.5. I love, love, love this episode. Ooh. In, I, yeah. Is, is that your highest of Mando so far? Didn't you have a 10 in season one? Oh, no. The the the, the second episode. The, the child. second episode. This is, uh, this is up there with the second episode, though. This The second episode is almost is a little higher because it's in my mind because it's even more pure this one can't be as pure because it's got a season of story behind it but it's still pretty damn pure star wars it's just and just it's yeah it's it's i think it might be the perfect episode of this season We'll see. We'll have to see. I don't know. The Mayfield episode is... I don't know if the Mayfield episode is as perfect, but it has some wonderful, you know... We'll see. We'll see. But uh, so far, this is my this is my uh, gold standard for season two. I love it. It was... I, I just had a riot watching it. I didn't want it to end. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty high, high up there, too. I really like this episode. I love the frog lady. She's one of my favorite characters of the show, like of the entire show. Like I really enjoy watching her. The spiders are gross, but they serve their purpose. Um, I think the new Republic stuff is interesting. I like seeing Den continuing to be challenged in his Mandalorian-ness, the how to be a Mandalorian. So yeah, I I love this episode. I loved it the first time I watched it and I still love it. Um, I gave it a nine out of 10. So. So you ready for our announcement? Yes, who's it going to be? So we have a guest next week uh, to talk about the episode The Heiress, which is the bo episode. And she is the editor for Dork Side of the Force, the host of Now This Is Lit, a Star Wars books podcast. And she is probably the biggest 
Bo-Katan fan that I know. So we're going to have Meg on next so week. So you say she's a Boca fan? She is a Boca fan. So uh, we're going to have Meg Dow on next week. And I'm very excited to see her because I've actually, like, we talk all the time on Twitter. And, like, our schedules haven't met up. And I'm supposed to be on her show. We haven't met up yet. So, like, this is my first time actually talk-talking with Meg. I'm super yeah, excited. Yeah, this is, I was going to say, this is her premiere on J-Guys and Jedi. I love having a new, a new guest. Yeah. So check out some of our work over at Dork Side of the Force. Um, and her Star Wars book podcast, Now This Is Lit, is a lot of fun. If you want a sneak peek of Megan, who she is, and stuff like that. So I'm very excited. She loves Bogotan. Like, I even jokingly asked her, I was like, Hey, Meg, aren't you a Bogotan fan? And in my DM, she was like, Oh my god, yes! What do you need to know about Bogotan? And I was like, I'm just joking. You want to be on a fight podcast? I knew you like Bogotan. <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew the answer. <laughs> I was just messing with her, so. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Twitter page for our episode, The Bad Bad, for MMM, comes from Twitter uh, for our episode on The Bad Batch episode, Infested, with all the bugs. Um, Just so you know, I want to explain the second one, which is why there's some bolded text there. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. We shall get to that. Okay, Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze said, I savaged this episode on Gold Squadron Gaze. Jeez. When it came out. But a theory I had about it might explain this episode's place in the season. Hope points out that this episode feels out of place, but wasn't moved from earlier and was always intended to be here. I think that the intent of this episode was to culminate the relationship of the Batch and Sid. Sid has grown a lot in her relationship with the Batch and Omega in particular over the season. And the fact that she now needs her help to recover her home would be a solid place to have them stop, step up for someone they've come to value as an unofficial team member. There's also a trope where when your characters have a home base of sorts, you have it attacked or invaded to raise the emotional stakes of the story. This happens a lot in video games, with my favorite example being the party camp being attacked in Dragon Age Origins near the end of the game to show the, the Darkspawn Menace Rising. Darkspawn Menace Rising! <laughs> I believe Sid's bar is meant to serve that role for the Batch, yeah. So the episode should have been an episode about Sid's needing to trust in the Batch to help her recover her shared home and demonstrate how she's grown to truly care for them, truly care for them. But because of the writing in this episode is so shallow and more concerned with the set pieces and Roland, this did not come across at all. Sid is still blackmailing the Batch just like back in episode four. I believe they actually brought the culmination of the Sid and Batch relationship arc to the forefront of the episode. It would have, oh, I believe had they actually brought the culmination of the Sid and Bad Batch relationship arc to the forefront of the episode, it would have been much clearer why this episode is where it is in the production schedule, especially given Sid is not really in the finale block of episodes. But they didn't, so what we have left is a serviceable monster of the week episode with a ton of missed opportunities and, a, and contrived writing. It's like eating potato chip. Good. But you'll forget about it an hour later. Oh, you should try the prison chips, though. They're delicious. The and it could have been so much more. The prison chips. I'm trying to remember the name of them. They're, they're released all around the country now. They were, they were this brand of potato chips, and they, they sort of had a, like an everything flavor. And uh, 
and they were they were like a local chip company made them and they made their way into the prison system and people were like joking about going back to prison so they could get a taste of these chips and they are very good and they are unforgettable they're they're delicious i wish i could remember the name of them off the top of my they were selling them at the corner store down the street and then they stopped selling them for a little while Mm. they're uh they're very good um Um, well thank thank you charles like my your explanation, I was like, yeah, this is a really good explanation of why it's here. And I pretty I much mostly, I don't think I'm as, as, as much as him, but I feel pretty much the same way as, as he's saying about this episode. Serviceable yeah. is, is a serviceable monster of the week is, is a good uh, summation of it, I think. Yeah. Um, so our next response came comes from Jake Niemeyer and Jake Niemeyer actually works for Lucasfilm and uh, like we follow each other on Twitter and we chat every once in a while and he worked on this Bad Batch episode with Roland and all this. I and, like, wonder Roland. if he's related to Char- Charlie Niemeyer. I don't actually know. Who's the Two True Freaks podcaster. Um, I don't know but um, when I had posted this episode uh, he left me a little message and I thought it was really interesting and it and it's about the scene where Roland gets his horn cut off and I thought you would enjoy this tidbit Chris okay so uh, so Jake says my opinion is it was not fun to work on the temp sound design for this episode and I miss Roland screaming in pain more than more when his horn is cut off I think it should have been traumatizing and Hope says whoa it was originally worse and jake says i tried making it an accurate amount of screaming but that was cut very quickly for seeming too much for kids yeah yeah i yeah i i but the thing is i don't know how like i i saw a a video of uh these there i don't know if they were texas longhorns there was some sort of cattle and their horns were growing forward and into their cheeks. And the farmers, you know, the doctor was there to to cut the horns. And he had just like a saw you would cut down your Christmas tree with. You know, one of those hand the the hand saws and it was just like ruff, ruff, ruff. and the cows just sitting there like chewing its cud, like dum da dum da I mean he's sawing through its its horn like three quarters of the way down and then like pulls it out and it's you know sort of stuck into the cheek and stuff so i don't know if horns have a lot of nerve endings in them you would think, think they wouldn't because they're you use them to technically they're there to beat they're they're sort of like fingernails right they're made out of the same stuff that fingernails are i kind of think of them like cat claws like if you cut too close you'll hit the nib Right, there's got to be like somewhere down near the bottom. There's got to what do they call it, the quick or whatever. There's got to yeah. be some fleshy part that that they got it. But like, yeah. But then you would think it w- if they cut down to that part where it hurt, it, there would also be an amount of like blood and stuff like that too. Yeah. So it's definitely so. not going on. Uh... But the scream would have been great because it would have made you think that they like well. It also would have, because if he's screaming, that means that, you know, that means his head wasn't cut off because they were originally looking like they were going to, like, behead him, you know. And so if he screamed, you know, if he if he screamed and it got 
cut short, then that might lead you to believe he got beheaded. But if he was just screaming, you'd be like, what are they doing? <laughs> you would have really been like, what the hell are they doing with, with this guy? But I thought you would enjoy that tidbit that originally it was a lot but worse. But I'm going to agree with Jake. Yeah, more. So, I would have liked the screaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Jake, I don't think you listen to the show. But if you do, thank you. <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited for this good old-fashioned Kit Kat. This and, is right back to the origin. Oh, it smells so good, Chris. So, you guys know the spiel. Our friend Dario, Chris's co-podcaster for Eat and Beat It, sends us candy from all over the world to review. And this week, we have Kit Kat that was locally sustained cocoa from England. It smells so good. Oh, it tastes so good! Yeah, oh, I was... Oh, I didn't know that this was from England. Okay, good. Because I was going to say... This goes back to the origin of original American Kit Kats, which taste like wax. This does not taste like wax. No, it tastes like deliciousness. It's fairly proper dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I said fairly proper because it sounds vaguely British. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dario. Mm. Mm, that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Well, do you have anything else for this episode, Chris? I do not. All right. Where can people find you? I'm going to mute myself because I'm still crunching on Kit Kats. Mm. You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That is our podcast with all our pod- podcasts on there. It's our podcast website with all our podcasts on there, um, including this one. We are also on Facebook. We've got the Two True Freaks podcast, and that's where we announce all our our brand new episodes of shows that come out. And we have the Two True Freaks Cantina, where you can just hang out and chat, I guess. And then on vacation this week from Twitter, although he'll be back by the time this episode came back, but as we're recording it, he's on vacation. So it's just the the we're, we're using a gene simulation algorithm to run our Twitter page and uh, that's that would normally be run by Gene Gene the ghost in the machine I was about to say I saw you made that joke on Twitter and I was like oh I'm gonna say ghost in the machine teeing it up I'm teeing it up don't yeah. worry it would have been much more interesting but I still a kick cat in my mouth Oh, excuse me. Mm. Mm. Don't we get water next week? Is that what next week is? Water? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? This is where they go to the water world next week? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Water world. And we get to see Frogman Child. But first, you can find me at Guys and Jedi. Um, that's our Twitter mm. account. Sorry. You're welcome. It's fine. Uh, you can also find me at Jacob and Jedi and at Hope Molinax on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can find my writing over at uh, the Geeky Waffle. I'm one of the staff writers over there. You can occasionally find me on Space Waffles, straight out of home video, and the normal Geeky Waffle show, which is all of our Geeky Waffle podcasts. And I was recently on Bookmark- Bookmarked and Busy, which is a really great fan fiction podcast that I'm really loving. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, and uh, on Friday nights, I'm the chat moderator for Pink Milk over on YouTube. So if you want to come hang out in the chat with us on Friday nights in the Steam Room that talks Star Wars queerly, you can find me over there too. So I'm excited to talk to Meg next week. Talk yes. about Eris. I a new guest to 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 introduce to the class. Yes. Not to I, the class like in Hey class, I'm your teacher as in class as in classy. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I I already warned her about baby about uh Yoda. Oh my like, god. No, he hasn't had a new guest in a while. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I was like, we haven't had a guest in a while. And I was like, there's a few episodes, and, I, and he's gonna have a few guests coming up later in the season because we're gonna. I can't remember if I talked about this last week or not. We're gonna yes, have a tiny, yes. tiny round them. table. So I'm really excited about that. Mm, but, tiny round table. Yes, it's where Grogu sits. <laughs> he gets his own tiny round table, but you get the big table, Yoda. You get the big boy table. <laughs> All right, you guys, we will see you next week for The Heiress. Bye. Bye-bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.